Hey friend, today we hear from retired Lieutenant Colonel and host of the Soldier for Life podcast, Olivia Nunn, regarding how the recent withdrawal from Afghanistan could elevate the self-inflicted death rates of service members and veterans. Okay, so last week I was having a conversation with my friend Olivia. We originally met to record an episode for Duty Station Download, but our conversation quickly developed into something much more important that you deserve to hear. A little bit about Olivia. She's a retired lieutenant colonel as of last week. She just left the service after 20 years serving the United States Army, and she spent time working at the Pentagon, Fort Hood, Texas, and West Point. I know for a fact she did at least three tours in Iraq. I don't know about all of her deployments, but those are important to me. Olivia left her time in the service as a lieutenant colonel. She's an incredibly wise person, and I want you to hear what she has to say about 22 a day and how this recent departure we've made from Afghanistan should prompt you to check in on your service member, friends, and loved ones. One of the things that I think is serendipitous about us being able to have this conversation is you're so knowledgeable about things, not only things that have happened at Fort Hood, but also as being an army officer and spending 20 years in the army, I think that you're the perfect person to speak to right now, especially in regards of things that are happening in Afghanistan. And I know that we didn't slate to talk about this. And if you don't want to talk about it, that's okay. But if you do, I would love to hear your opinion and your perspective of what our country is going through right now. I think it would be unwise for me to be talking to you today and not give you the opportunity to speak about that. So I'm going to be honest. So my three tours were in Iraq. And while I and I cannot speak directly to Afghanistan, what I can speak to it parallels what's going on. Leaving Afghanistan, what it left the military community is the questions of, is what we did over in Afghanistan worth it? Those are the questions that many of the military community was going through. Is what we did, was it worth it? Was our mission valuable? Was it value added? And then there's the questions of, man, was it for not? And we made friends there. The pill that is so bitter to swallow is that not everybody is our enemy. Not every single Afghan that is over there is our enemy. And so who's left suffering is the innocent. Those are the interpreters that assisted us. Those are the women and children. The enemy that is over there believe in a cause so deeply that is so counter to our belief and our way of life. And so that is what we as the military community is grappling with. That's what is striking our hearts. And so that impacts our military community, that impacts our mental health, and that impacts the way we feel about everything. And so what I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago is I expressed my concern about mental health in our military community. And so I stressed to our civilian population of you have veterans in your community and you need to physically go next door and check on your veteran population and do a buddy check because they're probably not going to tell you that they're not okay. You need to reach out. And 
we've talked about 22 a day, and I know that the civilian population understands what that 22 a day. And so now more than ever, that conversation needs to happen all the time because that's not going to go away. And I hope and pray that 22 a day doesn't become more than 22 a day. We need to drive that number down, not up. And what happened in Afghanistan happened in Iraq 10 years ago when we left. And it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse before it gets better. And what we saw and the what happened yesterday, you know, that's just the beginning. And a lot of this is a conversation between what we have to do as a military and part of it is a conversation of politics. And unfortunately, you know, those are two separate conversations that have to be had, but they end up being merged together. And I just pray that the right leaders have the right conversations at the right time. And I think that's the most important part that Americans need to remember. We each have a right as an American citizen, and that right is the power to vote. So you have to exercise that right to vote. So when it's time to vote, do your right to vote. Do your part to vote. Vote for the right leaders. And this isn't me getting on a soapbox to vote for this person. That's not what I'm getting after. I'm saying that you have to do your due diligence as an American to vote for the right leader so that that right leader at the right time makes the right decision. So that in times of crisis, they lead this country in a way that matters. So that when we're in crisis, they make the right decision and they don't make a decision that leaves our military in a way that matters. And then we're not left wondering what we did was for naught. That's what I'm talking about. Olivia, having served 20 years, the decision to pull out of Afghanistan, did it surprise you? No. I mean, the writing on the wall was there. I mean, we saw that coming. You know, so what the military taught me for 20 years, you have to always make the decision that is best for the organization at large. And when you do that, you're always going to upset a few individuals. That's the truth. As a communicator, what I have learned is that you have to articulate in advance what it is that you're going to do. Now, let's be honest. There are some decisions you're just not going to be able to articulate in advance because you're going to talk about OPSEC and all those things. But there's a right way of doing things and there's a right order and a right amount of information that you can release. There are certain things that could have been said early on that could have been dealt with in correct order. So these are all learning lessons as a communicator and as a leader on what you could have done, what you should have done in the direct order and which could have happened. At the end of the day, this is my opinion only. And as a communicator that I look at, I cannot fault our leader that says we cannot continue a mission in which the, when in their own country, that they don't have a heart to protect, to guide, to fight for their own beliefs and values. How do you argue that? How do you expect America to continue to fight for them if they can't fight for themselves? You can't disagree with that. However, it's kind of hard as a communicator to say that argument after the fact. If you had said that to us before and said, hey, because 
of that reason and other reasons, I'm going to make this decision and we're going to execute it in these orders, that pill probably wouldn't have been as bitter to swallow instead of after the fact in the dead of the night. Do you think that we could have left Afghanistan without any United States casualties? I don't know. I would be lying if I said that I would know that answer. I haven't studied that well enough. I've been out of operations for too long to effectively know that answer. Honestly, what I do know is that war is messy. It's dirty. And I don't think you can ever walk away from war without ever having casualties. And that's the truth. At the end of the day, the military is always asked to do the hardest job. And I think people forget that about us. But at the same time, we do more than just kinetic operations. And I think there was a perfect picture of what we do. It was that Marine holding that child, right? We do a lot of humanitarian missions. In fact, majority of the missions that I did in my three deployments to Iraq was humanitarian. I went into villages and helped with kids. We played soccer with the kids, even though I horribly sucked at playing sports and those kids could run circles around me, but that's what we did. You know, our engineers would go in and help build schools and irrigation, but we don't talk about that. We help them rebuild infrastructure. My first deployment to Iraq, my job was a convoy commander. Specifically, I helped guard fuel trucks. I spanned over 10 miles on the Iraqi highway bringing in over three to 500 trucks from Turkey to drop off onto fuel depots because their pipelines were destroyed so that the people of Iraq could have everything from benzene to propane to diesel, you name it, so that they could cook, that they could put fuel in their vehicles. Those are the things that we're doing. That's part of our mission as well. And yes, sometimes we had to do the hard parts too. And I think people forget that. And it's unfortunate. I think, you know, America just sees the hard part. And I think that's the hard part. And that's the job as the communicator, as a public affairs officer. It is the stories that we have to come back home to. And I get it. I'm a mom too, right? And I have two children and I, and I wonder, you know, and I'm second generation to go into the military and like, do I want my kids to go into the military? And that's hard. And I get mamas don't want their children to grow up and to go in the military. But the truth is we do so much more good in the world than bad. And that's what I think I want people to remember. The world may be on fire, but there are warriors that stand at the gates of hell for a reason. Thank you, Olivia.